0: Before we do anything, Twinkle, do you want to just give everybody them a little like overview of who you are? I think that's helpful.
1: My name is Twinkle Patel. I'm a registered dietitian. I've been working in long-term care for a number of years now, and my role has shifted from being a dietitian into more the admin side of things. So I do support a lot of homes in their food service and their dietary operations. So that is pretty much what I do right now, I work with a number of managers who support, you know, their own departments, their own kitchens. So yeah, and our industry has been, as you may have heard, facing a lot of challenges with staffing, morale, yeah. and whatnot. So uh, it's been a challenge for sure. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: And that morale, I'm just assuming, has come down probably a lot since COVID or during COVID. Is that a fair assumption? Yeah.
1: There's been, um, I feel like there's a lot of trauma still sitting, sitting there. Also just, you know, things that have not been addressed, uh, pain issues that have not been spoken about, you know, and and now I think the tolerance level is very low where, you know, people are just, you know, they just want to give up. Oh, like staffing want to give up? Yeah, yeah. There's, you know, there's so much criticism out there. And and one of the things that our teams have done in you know focusing our sight away from the criticism and maybe looking at some of the things that we are doing is we've started something called wow moments where we talk about you know the things that we are doing well and we continue to kind of focus on that you know as I've learned from you Karen like it's, it's when when things are not going well it's important to look at what is
0: yes so wow moments that's yes. that's good. Good, and sometimes they're not even wow moments. Sometimes it's just here's some I'm okay moments. Yeah, <laughs> it,
1: everybody was happy today, like that could good. be a wow moment. That's you a know? wow moment you yeah. yeah. and you're
0: and you're right. I read what your your question was on our Facebook group. You had mentioned, you know, helping managers deal with pushback when it comes to delegating that delegation. I know this is a big topic. Mm-hmm. Do you think that that inability or that fear around delegating also impacts their morale?
1: Absolutely. And I think it delegating impacts morale both ways, because when you're not able to delegate efficiently, then definitely it impacts the staff, but it impacts the managers themselves, right? Because then they end up doing everything and burnt burned out. So that's where the managers are getting burnt out. So one of the questions that my managers do ask me is, you know what is the difference between delegating and mm-hmm. bossing around or micromanaging? <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's a good question. And you're right, those can kind of blend into each other mm-hmm. quite often. Yeah. So, I'm going to I'm going to throw this out there for you because I think what helps make the difference is the level of your trust you have mm-hmm. with your staff. When you build a good relationship with your staff members and they trust you, then when you're asking them to do something, they're not instantly defensive and feeling micromanaged or feeling like you're bossing them around because there's a good relationship between you two. What what do you think about that first step that I'm saying?
1: Yeah, trust and respect. Those are definitely important. Yeah.
0: I don't think we have a really easy time delegating or managing anybody if we don't first take those steps in building a good relationship with our people. I believe that. I know people will argue with me about this, but it is to me all about our relationships. And the more trust there is, the more accountability there is. If I respect you, then I want to do a good job. I want to do more. I want to make you happy. I want you to be proud of me. It's part of our psyche. Um, so working on that first step, I think is crucial. And then first, first to me, yeah. and I'm not saying we always get to choose that order. We might walk right into a position and we're supposed to be delegating that next day. And right. I can tell you when we set our managers up that way, We're not doing them a favor because Mm -hmm. those first interactions are me telling you what to do and how's Mm -hmm. that
1: gonna feel? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, not good.
0: Both ways, it doesn't feel good. Correct. The manager doesn't feel good having to do that. I would rather managers had time to observe and pay attention to how their teams interact. Pay attention to people's skill sets. Look for their strengths. Look for maybe some points where they need a little more training. Kind of gather that information before you start delegating. Because to me, delegating's a lot easier when we're matching the task we're giving to the person's skill set. People are not unhappy to be given a task to do that they're good at. Yeah, they're unhappy when you give them something and it feels completely out of their comfort zone and wheelhouse. And now they're they're giving you pushback because that's not their job. It doesn't feel comfortable to me. It's observing people gathering that information, building your relationship with them, establishing some trust where they get to know you. And then you're delegating according to their skill set and where they're at. And that does help. Yeah. This is in a perfect world, so I get that. That's not always how it gets. It gets to go. Are you on board with me so far? Anything that you want to add or don't agree with? Or
1: no, I I absolutely agree. I think you're you're right. In a real world, you know, our managers are thrown into situations where you step into a, a workplace, and here you go, and they they might also come with some feedback, right, that these are all the things that we need to fix. So I think for managers, they have to be realistic, I guess, like you said, first, you know, few weeks, maybe work on just getting to know everybody, yeah. like one on ones with everybody, building that trust and then identifying the, the changes and where changes can be made. What are some questions that they can ask to learn about their strengths? Do you think? Very
0: good question. Asking, asking questions like, if you could have the ideal work day for you, how would you love to fill it? What mm. are the things that bring you joy that you feel really good at and happy doing? Like that's such a non-corporate question. It's a
1: human question. It's
0: a human question.
1: Yeah. Like
0: ask that. Yeah. Not what's your skill set? Like, yeah. like if you and I ever go for lunch, yeah. We're not asking each other how our what's our skill set. It's it's not how humans speak to each other. So we need to make those human connections, and ask better questions. You know, what do you love to do? What do you feel really excited about or equipped for? Like, what do you feel is like I'm good at this? If I could do more of this in a day, I would love it. It doesn't mean I get to, but if I could, this is what I'd love to do. When you ask that, then it gives you insight instead of people giving you those standard answers. It's also helping people understand, and this is the big piece, and this is why we do that leadership training that we do, is that we have to get this team mentality in place. And the only way, the only way is the biggest way, is to start tying people to a vision and a purpose. Whatever your organization stands for and what they do out in their community or how they help their clients or their patients or whatever industry they're in, We all need to feel part of that. And then anything that we're asked to do doesn't feel personal. She's making me do that. Or he's asking me to do that. It's part of, we're all a team. And to get this done today, I'm really going to ask you to do this piece because we don't have anybody that can do it right now. So even though it's not your normal job or to be able to be that vulnerable as a manager or a leader and say, listen, I'm overwhelmed. I had a lot of stuff come at me this week that was unexpected and now I need some help. So can I give you these couple of things to do for me that are not normally yours to do? Mm -hmm. If i delegated to you that way, how would you receive that?
1: I would be, I would feel all honored to be able to help in that you asked. So yeah, definitely that shift in mindset. And you just said honored. Like that
0: gave me goosebumps. Who says that? Like, yep. why did it feel like that for you? That's making me weird. I'm feeling all like goosebumpy because that's, that is exactly the point I was making. Why did that word come up for you?
1: I would think that if my manager is asking me to do something that was on their plate, like that, they do have the utmost um, trust and respect for me. Wow.
0: And that also sounds to me like if that's a manager you care for. And you respect and you feel honored because they're asking you to do it. Then you're willingly doing it and you're going to do it at your best capabilities and your best quality because you feel like they're trusting you. Yeah. It, does it feel like an order I just gave you?
1: No, not at all.
0: So that's kind of the other part of this. It's how are we delivering that list of tasks? How are we delivering the thing that we're, we're delegating?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's our
0: approach. I've done marriage coaching for years, but that was what I said a million times doing that.
1: Mm-hmm. It's
0: not what you're saying. It's how. It's how it's being delivered. It's your approach to the mm-hmm. situation.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: If you approach it a different way, if your tone of voice is different, if the way you ask is different, it has a whole, whole different outcome.
1: Yeah. I find sometimes there is that perception, too, that we come with that assumption that they are acting this way because they don't want to do it. Yes. That is why it's termed pushback.
0: And what are they doing that makes us think they don't want to do it?
1: Just right away denying or giving the reasons why they cannot do it. it. And are we listening to those
0: reasons? Because I put this back over to the managers again.
1: Mm-hmm. If
0: you're getting pushback, it, it's coming from something. So it's either there's a disrespect between the two of you. There's a trust factor. There's a relationship issue. Mm-hmm. So every time you walk in, they're they're already in a space where they're like, "Oh, what's she going to ask me to do now? That's yeah. not good. That needs to be repaired." Yeah, and I've seen that with my own eyes more times than I want to count. Yes. Right. This is leadership ownership. We have to take a look in the mirror and go, how am I making people feel when I walk in the room? Because if they're hiding under their desk, I'm not doing something right. We need to be also aware that if they're that resistant to more, to being asked to do more, then are they legitimately overwhelmed? Mm -hmm. Like, Are we putting too much on them? Are we not setting clear expectations that are reasonable and attainable? Because if we aren't, that's another reason they're reacting that way. Because they're like, I cannot do one more thing. Like, yeah. I have 13 things that I'm supposed to get done that I'm still not going to get done. And now you want to give me one more?
1: Mm. Hell no. I yeah. can't
0: do one more. Feel like that could be part of the reason, too.
1: I agree with you, Karen. Like, you know, hearing them, I think that is where my head goes to as well. And that mm-hmm. is what I, you know, tell uh, the people that I work with that when a concern is brought to you, then, then, Sure. Whether it is valid or invalid, or, or this has always been a concern we need to address and not ignore it. I have one last question, and then I have to go. Okay. Um, there's one really good question, too. You know, going back to this pushback and things like that, I feel like there are some, some people who can only be managers and cannot be leaders. Is that a possibility? Ooh, wow, you're going to end there? Like, that's like <laughs> mic drop question. <laughs>
0: That's good stuff. I'm going to disagree with you. I think, I think people can if they choose. Not everybody will choose to explore being a good, impactful, inspiring leader, an okay. empowering leader. Mm-hmm. They will continue to manage because that's either all they know. Or they're overwhelmed and the idea of taking on any more is too much. And they've been taught that you bark out orders and you make people do what you need them to do. And you don't worry about soft shoeing around and getting to know people. You just do your job. So it's culturally based too. So if their environment is that way, they're going to just keep going with that because that's the expectation. It doesn't mean they couldn't. Everybody Mm -hmm. is capable of change. The only thing that stops people is a decision. Right. It's a decision. You can choose to change or you can choose to stay exactly the way you are. If I didn't believe people could change, I wouldn't do what I do for a living. Yeah. So I believe anybody can change. It's a decision and it's a choice. That's what it comes down to. This is like huge. I could have stayed with you today for two more hours. (laughs) I think I'm going to post this as a part one on a podcast. And I'm going to say that you and I are Mm -hmm. coming back. So we'll, we'll do that. And we'll just continue on this whole thing. Thank you, lady. Awesome, awesome. I am so excited about this. So until next time, remember, be that leader, the one who empowers, connects, inspires.